Welcome to the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. Your hosts are Annika Melchert and Nora Hocker. Join them as they talk to hand-picked FinTech experts about the future of banking. Hello and welcome to another episode of the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast. In case you haven't noticed yet, March 8 marks the International Women's Day, a day to celebrate women's achievement, raise awareness about discrimination and take action to drive gender equality. With these topics being close to Annika's and my heart, we wanted to dedicate one episode and talk about diversity, equity and inclusion in fintech and the banking industry. So, well, International Women's Day, of course, relates to a number of initiatives. We today in this episode want to focus on especially three of them. So, first of all, we want to celebrate the women and also men which are foregoing the change. And secondly, we want to discuss how we can advance gender parity, especially in banking and in tech, and of course, the intersection of both. And then lastly, um, as a third focus point, we want to discuss how we can build workplaces where everyone can, can thrive. And of course, we're not going to discuss this alone today. We're super happy to have two of BCG's most inspirational leaders in the field of strategy and transformation in financial services and the fintech industry with us here today, Claudia Rastma and Jan Kosiarski. Both are very passionate about the topic and work actively towards equality in the banking sector. Hi, Jan. Hi, Claudia. Can you maybe quickly introduce yourself and share why are you so passionate about diversity, equity, and of course, inclusion? Sure. Hi, Annika. Hi, Nora. Great to be here. I'm Claudia. I'm partner at BCG from the Vienna office. And I have been working in the banking industry since my start at BCG more than 10 years ago. And I'm passionate about everything around corporate banking and the fintech space. And well, as women in banking, of course, I have a natural passion for wanting to work together with more women. And I realized during my career that with Every career step I took, the room became more and more male-dominated until the point where often was the only woman in the room. And I truly believe that has to change and truly believe in the strength of diverse teams. So um, I'm happy that I can be here today to talk about this important topic. Hi there. My name is uh, Jan. I'm Managing Director and Partner at BCG Frankfurt. I um, started my banking career in 1998 and joined BCG in 2006. I did mostly banking transformations for European blue chip clients and I'm currently leading BCG's fintech segment in Europe, Middle East, South America and Africa. And uh, to answer your question, why I'm passionate about the topic of this podcast, Actually, two things. First is, um, I think that companies that truly master gender equality have a clear competitive edge because it's really a clear value uh, lever. And second, on a more personal note, maybe I would I would like to see even more um, opportunities for my own young daughter when and if she decides to work for a company as an adult. Great having you here. You're also the authors of the State of Diversity and Banking Report, aren't you? Could you tell us a bit more about that? Maybe, Claudia? Yes, of course. Our survey, Gender Equality in the Banking Industry, looks at the biggest 50 banks in Europe 
and analyzes the gender equality in its executive and supervisory board. And we look at two things. Firstly, we look at representation equality, so the number of women versus men in the boards. And secondly, we look at remuneration equality, so the average salary by women versus men. And based on that analysis, we can actually evaluate the current situation of gender equality and the year-over-year -year development in the top leadership of European banks overall. And we rank those 50 banks as well along an index. So we actually know which are the best or also the worst players in gender equality. However, we chose only to publish the top 10 performing banks based on this underlying index as we want to have a more constructive and positive discussion. However, we share the specific rank with each individual bank to use it as a discussion starter and as a change agent, so to say. And maybe one, just one remark. We're doing the study based on public available data. And thus, we have to focus the study around which data is actually available. This is why we focus on gender equality. But of course, gender equality is only one of the many forms of diversity that matters. But at least it's uh, quite a big group that we're looking at. And it's a good starting point, in our opinion. In addition, um, we can almost only focus on the senior levels because there we have the data. But the senior levels, we know, are only the tip of the iceberg. To get uh, advantages of diversity, you, of course, have to look at the representation and gender equality along all hierarchies. So can you tell us a bit about the results of the study? How is the state of gender equality in banking in Europe? Sure, happy to. We did this study for the second time now. So we compare the developments from one year to the next. And the good news to start off with this one is um, that we see a clear positive trend. Most banks have been improving their equality score over the last year by appointing more women into top management roles, and that's a very good thing. However, it has to be said that the banking sector as a whole uh, still has a large gap to close to really get to the point where we have a true gender equality in the top leadership boards. Continuing with the current speed that we can measure, it would take a further 10 years to reach equal representation in the executive boards. And this is, of course, still quite a long time. What it means in numbers, when we look at the executive boards of the largest 15 European listed banks, there's a female share of 22%. So you can see, obviously, still 28% to go. Furthermore, we see that we have still six banks without any woman on the executive board, and we have only seven female CEOs. Furthermore, we could measure a pay gap of 22%. On the side of the supervisory board, things are looking a bit brighter. We have a female share of 39% here, compared to the 22%. And um, all banks have at least one woman in the supervisory boards. Um, we, we could see three women serving as chairs and uh, we could measure a pay gap of 14%. So since uh, this year's international women theme is equity um, and with the report itself you're creating a super valuable basis to really drive gender equity in the financial services industry. Let's maybe take a closer look on the second topic we would like to focus here, which is about advancing gender parity in tech. Can you tell us a little bit more on how can there still be such a pay gap on, on the senior positions? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, that uh, might be quite surprising. But what's important to know is that the pay gap does not mean that women are paid less for the same job. The remuneration at the end is a reflection of the importance of roles or maybe also the power that the roles have and the women have in the boards. And we see that women are less likely to get the more important and powerful roles by this pay gap. For example, in the executive board, the pay gap is driven by the fact that men are much more likely to hold the highest paying jobs like CEO or IT or finance. While women, on the contrary, are more, much more likely to hold positions with lower average remunerations like HR or marketing. And the unfortunate thing is that this is not only true on average, but this trend is also seen in the newly appointed position. So that's actually strengthening this, this trend. And that sense in 2021, for example, 75% of newly appointed board members for marketing were women, but only 14% of newly appointed CEOs were women. So there we see the difference. And on the supervisory board, it's actually the same. There, the remuneration is super clearly defined by the time you commit to the different committees or if you're the chairwoman. But here again, we see the pay gap, which means that women are getting less appointed to committees or to fewer committees or to committees that meet less, which usually mean they're not that important. And in addition, that's quite interesting that uh, while we have a higher share of women in the supervisory boards, we have less chairmen then we have CEOs. So we have only three chairmen among the 50 banks versus the seven CEOs um, in the executive board. And that's for me at least a sign that very often um, these women are assigned to the supervisory board more from a regulatory requirement to tick the box than appointed as it's seen as an advantage to drive women into the roles uh, with a lot of power and influence. Claudia, one question here. Is there any correlation with their educational background? So that we can say women start studying marketing, then um, do a marketing job and thus don't become CEO so quickly as someone who, for instance, studies business administration and thrives on, on this way. We don't have any specific data on this, but I mean, from a personal perspective, probably there is both. So um, there might be some unconscious bias related to it. It's more easy to maybe find a woman in HR or marketing than it might be in finance. So far, we talked mostly numbers. Um, can we also talk names? So can you tell us what are the banks that lead the pack versus maybe ones that lag behind? Of course, happy to. The index is led by um, the top scorers DNB from Norway. DNB actually scored for the first place for the second time in a row now, so that's pretty impressive. And um, on the second place, we have AIB Group from Ireland. Both banks have a fully uh, equal representation in both boards, so both the executive board and the supervisory board. The third place goes to Unicredit from Italy, which also showed the best improvement compared to 2021. We did a couple of interviews with both leading banks, but also lagging banks. And when we are talking with the leading ones, I think it's pretty clear they perceive the whole topic not just as something that is forced upon them, but as a true value lever. They monitor it with the same rigor they apply, e.g. to financial planning, so they have a whole set of KPIs set up. They take into account country specifics. They embed rules like 
when a job needs to be filled, the final round, there has to be at least one member from each gender. So really putting action to where the mouth is and definitely having clear rules put into action. On the other hand, when I'm talking to banks that are lagging here, they are treating this like they have to tick a kind of box like, hey, yes, but now we have Mrs. XYZ on board, as if this was sufficient, right? And it's obviously not. And or, hey, we made sure that all job descriptions are worded gender neutral, but um, in the same company, they are not fine with part-time solutions for leadership roles. And uh, quite clearly, this is uh, far from being sufficient here. One other thing, while we haven't done similar study for fintechs yet, from my personal experience, I would say that the grass isn't any greener on that side, unfortunately. I think here we can relate based on the last podcasts we did and the episodes we recorded. We always had a quite large representation of male founders here, just based on the fact that there are not so many female founders in the market. Precisely, precisely. Let's move to goal number two for this year's International Women's Day, which is improve equality for women in tech, for financial services and, of course, also the fintech industry, as both are historically super tech-heavy industries. Is there a true motivator to pursue and become one of the top 10 players? Or why is this even relevant for banks and here maybe also to fintechs? Well, there's both external pressure on the banks, but also an internal one. The external pressure is the... European Central Bank asks banks to publish their own target quotas and also how they want to reach them and also to report against these goals. So this is obviously a very good thing. What are example quotas here? Well, that depends on the starting point of the bank. I mean, there are banks that definitely say that we will reach 50-50 and there are others that are a bit more vague here. Secondly, the ESG topic also leads to a couple of more external reports where gender equality is a key part and obviously this also helps. So banks need to become more transparent here and this is one important reason why they are forced to act. However, I think the most convincing one actually doesn't have anything to do with external guidelines. It's more like banks and fintechs both have to fight to get the best talent on board, to further make their growth happen and so forth. And surprise, 50% of the potential talent pool is female. So if you want to tap into this pool, you have to offer strong opportunities for females. And if you are not doing this, then the whole war for talent is not going out too well for the company. I can definitely relate to that. If I would look for another employer and I talk to a bank and I would feel like diversity is only a buzzword for them, it's only facade. They'd be a no-go for me, definitely. And that's actually not only true for women, but also for men. So in our study, we saw that that's a general thing. Maybe switching from analyzing the problem to finding solutions. And that also links to the 
third goal of International Women's Day, building workplaces where everyone can thrive or grow. So what are the initiatives that you see that we can actually solve the problem with? Uh, what are initiatives to achieve gender equality in banking? So unfortunately, of course, there is no quick fix, right? Not the one magic initiative which solves the problem. Actually, you need a very comprehensive approach. And what we see is that you really have to work on this topic along four dimensions. The first one is the true senior leadership commitment, optimal, also backed by the owners. And this commitment has to be authentic, that it can be believed, for example, by actively setting an ambition level internally, but maybe also externally and really walk the talk. Um, this means, for example, that you as a board member might not participate in a panel if um, there are no females representative in this panel. And the same is true for everything else. So if there is a full male board and there are such things still, and they actually believe in diversity, it's hard to believe them if they're yeah, still a full male board. Secondly, and now the consultant in me comes out, uh, you need clear metrics and tracking. So what gets measured gets done at the end. And this includes numbers on the status quo along your leadership levels, um, your recruiting, your retention. But it also includes uh, bottom-up results and surveys to really understand the target group better and also to understand how the target group sees the process. And here again, if you don't act on the data, it's just a useless piece of paper, right? So I've seen banks which develop diversity reports, but they more or less stay in their respective HR departments or only sent out once a year or something like this. But it really has to be an active discussion. Otherwise, you won't change anything with such reports. And the third one is, and that's of course quite tricky, is to address the whole culture topics and unconscious bias, because this really, really leads to true change, but it's a process that can take quite a while. This can start with little things like anti-discriminatory policies or policies that expect suppliers like us, BCG, to commit to diversity. Um, but it continues with much more important things like unconscious bias trainings or offering women networks and support and changing the entire work environment and the flexibility of work. And what's important here is, again, that you do this for men and for women to make it an equal playing field and not only something for the women, which then uh, seems to be like special treatment. No, you want to change the entire culture of a company and a bank. And there are banks that actually do this. Just a little personal story. Just a few months back, I was called by colleagues that they really need me to join a pitch as the banking question actually told them if they don't bring any women to the pitch, they don't have to come at all. And I think that's quite a great example because it puts pressure on everybody from all sides that diversity is expected. And yeah, for me, it was a nice, nice uh, situation as I was able to pitch as a quite uh, prestigious bank and get to know them. And then the fourth thing that you have to look at is actually the entire life cycle of the career of a woman. So how to recruit them, how to retain them, and also how to advance them. And there are various moments of truth like promotions or also, of course, uh, maybe uh, starting a family and going out of the company for some time and coming back from a maternity leave. So you really need to, need to get that right and yeah, accompany this woman along this journey and make sure that you don't oversee some um, hindrance or obstacles in their way, but support them to get along and to stay there. Are there any things that a bank should not do? <laughs> ah, you can always do mistakes, of course. I think one common mistake is that you think you know 
what the problem of women are. But very often you do this or banks or companies do this without actually talking to the women or really understanding their perspectives. So all progress and initiatives should start at the needs of the people that it addresses. Very often those needs are not clear or not transparent to a lack of data or also just unconscious bias. For example, people who aren't parents and haven't got a child might not know how it is to be pregnant and how the journey can change a woman or can be tricky in terms of uh, traveling or exhaustion. And things like this, of course, along the life cycle of a woman has to be addressed. And you mightn't be so sensitive um, about such things if you are a man who hasn't been pregnant yet. (laughs) And another quite common mistake is to just introduce initiative without changing the environment as well. So uh, the classic Uh, we see very often and in our discussions is to introduce flex time. But the introduction only means that uh, they introduce a policy which says you're allowed to do flex time. And then you ask, oh, great. And is it allowed to do it also on leadership level? And the answer is, well, no, on leadership, it's it's impossible. Or they might say, yeah, yeah, of course, also for leadership level. And then you ask, okay, and how many people are using it yet? And the answer again is, pooh, I, I don't think that anybody's using it yet, but we offer it. So maybe people don't want to do it. But that's, of course, very often not true. The, the true problem is that you have to change the, change the environment. You might need to change meeting cascades to adapt for the model, or you have to consider leadership tandems to allow for part-time also in higher positions. So it's really important not to cling to classic or maybe maybe old career stages and concepts, but really to rethink how to advance people, women and men within a company and supporting them in their choice of flexible work. That's that's a cool summary here. Maybe coming back to you two personally. So we all know that the overall management consulting industry um, is also known for being a quite challenging workplace at times. It's of course also very rewarding, but I think there are also certain challenges which, which come along with the overall environment. What are the initiatives that um, you two and Claudia are taking as leaders for your own teams? Yes, um, from a very practical standpoint, when I'm putting together teams for a pitch or for the actual project execution, I make sure that we have a balanced and diverse team and that I'm not assigning the HR module by default to the female consultant and the number crunching one to the male one. I think that's point one. Point two is um, I made very good experiences and I'm fully supportive of part-time working models on our cases. And if you clearly communicate this to the client, my experience is that uh, the client also can deal with it quite well. And thirdly, I am mentoring myself more women than men. So more female colleagues that are junior than me, than male colleagues that are junior than me. And I can talk to this as I'm in a nice situation to consider and mentor myself. So I can agree on that. I also try to bring women along so I can agree to everything that Jancha said. So bringing women in the teams and also then try to fight against my own <laughs> unconscious bias that we all have. And one thing that I really like and I started a few years back is I'm heading the Wi-Fi, the Women in Financial Institutions at BCG, which is our BCG network to attract and 
retain and promote women within BCG in the banking sector. And within this network, we try to really get women into banking because very often they have a little bit of a fear or respect about the industry and we try to be very open and let them try it out and use role models to show them that women are welcome and can be successful in this industry as well. And we try then to show support along their life cycle. As I just explained, we offer mentoring um, from women and men. We are doing exchanges on a personal level to just learn from each other and uh, show how we develop within a company. And of course, do some events for the development and advancement. I mean, you two know best. You just recently were part of an event where you both shared your knowledge on uh, cloud banking with the other women just so that we can uh, yeah, develop further and advance together. Yeah, that just links back to Annika and myself being active parts of the Women in Financial Institutions Network ourselves. Such a great initiative, Claudia. So final question from my side. We always like to ask our guests for a, like a prognosis or a outlook into the future. Usually the future of tech and banking, but in this case, obviously gender equality in banking. So what do you think the next report or maybe the report in, in five years will look like? I would expect that uh, the positive trend that we could observe will continue, both, as I said, fueled by the external pressure, but even more because of the scarcity of talent, which will become even more a hot topic than it is this day. So I would say I'm actually moderately positive, so to speak, when it comes to my own outlook on this topic. Still, there's um, quite a huge pile of work to be done, but uh, still, I think the whole thing goes into the right direction. I certainly agree on that. So I think there are so many things that are changing nowadays and the priority that is given to the topic is increasing. So I really like seeing, for example, that on panels at the different banking fairs, that there are more and more women on the panels and that it's a priority for those companies to have women on the panels as well. And the same is true for so many settings. So I think all those changes and initiatives actually will lead to banks adapting and to fintechs adapting and can only be positive for the future. I think we are also looking forward what the future brings you, yeah. especially in the intersection of not only banking, but also banking and tech. So I already said final question, but actually I have one last question still. How can our listeners access the report? You can find it on our LinkedIn page from BCG on Financial institutions, but maybe we can also link it below in the caption from the podcast to make it very easy to access. <laughs> we'll definitely do that. All right. So thank you very much for your time and for the amazing insights, Claudia and Jan. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Great. And we're looking forward to the next iteration of the report. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And to our listeners, if you like this episode and you want to make sure not to miss the next one, Just hit the follow button. You've been listening to the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. BCG Platinian, your experts on IT strategy, modern technology architecture, and state-of-the-art banking. The digital future is now. For more information, check bcgplatinian.com.